0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Documentation Not Included. It's 7 pm UK time here on twitch.tv DNI Stream, and we're about to embark on episode 2.8 Breaking into Virtualization. My name's Chris, and I'm sure you can already tell Josie is not here today. She's on a much deserved holiday. Um, and uh, I am joined by Patrick, though.
1: Hello and our guest today is Josh Torman who's here to talk to us about infrastructure with virtualization (laughs) and you can already tell it's gonna be a hard episode for me. Uh, You know more specifically though how to make a jump from education into a job in virtualization. So uh, why not introduce yourself and give our listeners your background Josh.
2: Hello I'm Josh I'm 25 I'm a student at Darlington College, technically Teesside University. I'm in my second out of third year uh, for my well, degree in computing, degree in cyber security. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> lots of technicalities with it. Um, yeah, and I specialize for the most part heavily in virtualization technologies, large storage, that sort of thing. Yeah.
0: That's- Okay, right. Well, so before we start the actual show and get into the main content, we have an icebreaker. Josie will be glad to hear. We are actually uh, putting an icebreaker in today. Um, and it's, all this is is a question that we ask everybody that comes on the show uh, to kind of ease us into things. Uh, so I've got one today, and it's quite relevant, in fact. Dead simple, what is your dream job? And I'm going to let Josh go first. Oh oh, 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 dream um, job! This can be anything. It doesn't anything. have to be IT. It can be anything at all. I gotta say,
2: space, spaceman. I, I could, I could get behind that. Yeah,
0: spaceman. Yeah. What, like, you have to be a bit an astronaut? You mean? Yeah. Oh yeah, generally going to space. Shall right. we say? I, I could get behind that if it was, you know, no limits sort of deal. Well, so, so why specifically though? Would you want to? Would you want to get into? I don't know.
2: Uh, it's more the research and pushing you know, it's seeing what people like Elon Musk are doing at the moment. Right. Pushing right. getting people back into space. I'd love. Love.
0: So you're gonna so be I one of the are it- gonna be one of these people who take the hol- the space holiday if it becomes affordable. Oh yeah. Yeah. Or,
1: or, s- or sending their fucking cars to Mars. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I loved that video so much. I watched that, I rewatched that so often, it's not even funny. Imagine how
0: knackered bit. that car is by now. Imagine how many well, bosons has flown flown through it, and how many... imagine how many miles it's got in it. Yeah, what's the resale value on that?
1: <laughs> and uh, you know, you know that like in thousands of years, some archaeology is gonna discover, rediscover it, and yeah. it's gonna be in some museum as this example of early twenty first century technology.
0: <laughs> It'll be on a, a, a another planet or an alien species museum, probably.
1: It's gonna be like, and we here we can see powerful exhibit of early 21st century human religion when they constructed the image of their four-wheeled gods and send them <laughs> to forever present them in outer space.
0: Uh, so, Patrick, what, what's your ideal job?
1: I'd say uh, working in research and development on uh, brain-computer interface. Oh, oh, nice! I like oh, that. That's very good. Yeah. yeah. So, like, that's like helping create that. Like, I would fucking do it. Uh, the funny thing is, is that I probably could do it right now. I mean, I could start trying to get into because this field actually exists. Well, there are companies actually working on this. As I
0: said, I've, so, I've done a lot of research on this recently because I've mentioned before I do. Um, I'm writing. I'm trying to write a novel, or I haven't done anything for a few months, but I'm I'm in the process of it, and that is one of the things as a computer brain interface in in that. So I've done a lot of uh, actual science fact um, research on, into it. Yeah, yeah,
1: I mean, like you know, even if it would be something as old school as literal plug in your nape of your neck. I would mm. still go for it. Fuck! I would like sign to be the. F- I would test it myself
2: on myself. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, uh, there's a a buddy of mine's really into that. Um, into the whole, you know, cybernetics. You know, why ha- why can't I change my lungs to you know robotic ones and I, I can smoke bit. as much as I like. You know that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah.
0: Add some that's filters just, in there. It's yeah. It's not just your lungs that are a problem there, though, is it? That's, a, that's Well, a yeah. Smoking.
2: You you can you can know you. You save up your pennies, you know, you, you replace bit by bit. It's like you do want a <laughs> car. The bits that get
0: broken yeah. as you go along. Yeah.
2: Exactly, yeah.
1: I'd love to be able to modify my retinas to see like more, more of electromagnetic like, spectrum. Like that's another thing for like body modifications. That'd
0: be you know, amazing. I, oh, yeah. I, I thought that I didn't realize you guys were going to come up with such good ones because mine's really boring. <laughs> Mine is my, my <laughs> ideal job. I absolutely love nature and, and animals, in in specifically like working with animals. I just—I'd like to be a park ranger, something really simple like that, where I'm outdoors all the time. But the problem I have—I know that's an achievable goal and it's a dream—but the problem I have yeah. is just I would not be able to maintain the same lifestyle because I wouldn't get the same amount of money that I do doing what I do. You know, it's simple as that. <laughs> I could—I yeah.
1: could totally see you though living oh, yeah. in a forest like a forest ranger. If, you know, if like I didn't
0: have a house, two. a mortgage, a wife, anything, yeah. like I would be a man- mountain man, absolutely, I, phew, live off the like, land. You know, like somewhere
1: in somewhere in Canada or like North states, like just totally wild in the middle of mountains <laughs> when it's like you know two hundred kilometers to the nearest human,
0: yeah, yeah, absolutely, right, so should we get into the sub the topic then
1: yeah, let's cool. do it, uh, and the topic is breaking into virtualization, so Josh, let's start with summarizing what virtualization actually is.
2: Oh, well, see, how how far do I want you to uh, keep this down? Well, Um, we've got an hour, so. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
1: five minute intro, let's say.
2: Okay, okay. So, in a nutshell, it's more efficient use of hardware technology that we use. So, you know, your average computer could run, I don't know, we'll say 20 Linux servers in theory. By using special code, uh, you have VTX virtualization on Intel and AMD CPUs. I believe ARM you can virtualize on as well. I okay. haven't tried it. Um, I'd have to cite my sources and check. Um, yeah, in essence, yeah, you can improve efficiency drastically by essentially having instead of running uh, running software bare metal. You can put in containers, dockers. You can do that sort of thing to really efficiently use resources,
0: mainly memory. So, currently, we, we traditionally, when you have a, you know, we buy a PC from the shop, let's to keep this simple for the people who aren't into uh, enterprise, <laughs> uh, you know, enterprise virtualization, you buy a PC from the shop, you get an operating system on that. It might be Windows, it might be an Apple operating system. It could be, it's not going to be Linux from a shop, let's face it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be an operating system. It could be a Chromebook, you know, with, uh, is it Chrome OS? I think they call uh, it.
2: Yeah, it's Chrome OS, yeah. Um, and that would be defined as a bare metal operating system. Yeah. It is. So then, the operating system that the end user would use.
0: Yeah. So then, what we have is that we've got a CPU, um, and, a, and a CPU is your processor on your computer. And essentially, the processor has instructions on the processor, and that's where we're talking about arms or Intel's, or I don't even know, PowerPC is still a thing, is it? Oh, uh, is that
2: PowerPC still going? I'm not too sure. sure.
0: But yeah, so you basically have instructions on the, on the on certain CPUs that allow you to virtualize and split the hardware now i'm not an expert in this by any stretch of the imagination as i was explaining to josh before the show as far as i'm concerned i just provision a vm or, or dockerize something with with some code and some scripts and when it doesn't work i just go on to github and complain you know that's <laughs> my that's my limit of this. i obviously understand it to an extent but that's about it so it allows us to run multiple pcs with one set of hardware or one clustered set of hardware as well we could actually cluster a lot of pieces yeah, together.
2: That's, that's another big leap for using virtualization is the high availability aspect of saying well, we need to hit that node down. It's got a failing block of memory. Mm-hmm. Alright, okay. We'll just move everything to a different system. The storage is generally linked together. And yeah, you can link the storage together, as we like just said, so you can provide the high availability. You've got multiple nodes which could be spanning massive geographical locations. I could have a server in I don't know, we'll say London, one in France I could still cluster them together Right Even though they're not in the same physical site due to using virtual VPNs virtual private networks and VLANs, uh, virtual LANs and all, all that good and juicy stuff
0: Yeah, so I mean you're, you're so- really into this and now what's interesting when I spoke to you because we haven't, I mean I found you but we haven't actually spoken before today apart from just before the show so what really interesting about you is that you don't necessarily you've got a few side things that you work in virtualization but you don't have you are not. you don't work in virtualization really you don't have a job doing that do
2: you uh no not as current um but again it's it's one of those things where i stick by the thing of you know you're going to be really good if you're going to be really good at something you go all in
0: yeah so we, we do it in our spare time to you know all of us exactly do that, yeah.
2: You, know? you say in in giant quotation marks it's a hobby, mm-hmm. but realistically I use virtualization at home. I have several servers for virtualization on because I want I have. You know, give me just one moment. I'm going to check how many systems I have
0: running right this second. How many bare metal boxes, or how many virtualized systems? How many virtual? <clears throat> so I have three virtualized servers out of six.
2: I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine virtual machines running at the moment, right. all doing various tasks. Um so my router, virtual. My monitoring, virtual. <laughs> I've got any version of Windows I could shake a stick at, virtual. So you've got a virtualized router as well? Yep, uh PF Sense, yeah, it's all virtual. Um basically, in a nutshell, you use um with the use of VLANs, you can I bring my internet in onto a VLAN vlan for in this instance i then pass that vlan to my router tell it it's it's one on PFSense. sense i then give free lands for my main network yeah. my guest network and my lab network and they are all independent they cannot talk to each other and i'll set and define firewall rules to let certain services talk to certain services between networks
1: so speaking of different systems talking to each other um uh... And, and this is a like complete noob question. Uh, would virtualization also provide a certain degree of security? Hmm. Could that be yeah. used as a security measure?
2: Yeah, the, the benefit of using it is that it, it does allow for... like I sell virtual systems on my personal server <coughs> that I have co-located. Uh, Forno, a good friend of ours. Yep.
0: Uh,
2: he's been on he the show buys, before, actually. Yeah, he's been on the show. He buys um, a virtual PC from me. But it's completely isolated from every other system that runs on the physical hardware. So while he gets a chunk of that hardware, he can't access other people's. There is um, Lawrence Systems. They did. Um, they've been doing a series called "How They Got Hacked." Hmm. There is a bounty for breaking out of a virtual machine. Okay. Apparently, it's possible. But bloody hard to do. You have to do some serious exploitation with memory and CPU. So you, Spectre, Meltdown, hmm. to try and break out of a virtual machine to get onto the host layer to jo- then start causing mayhem.
0: Josie would love to talk to you about this kind of stuff. She's um, yeah. she's a, she's the Linux bod in our team. She, she does a lot of um, security. She's very security conscious as well, and she's extremely... Knowledgeable on that side of things, and she said she used to be part of um, cracking teams, or and I don't know what she did exactly. I can't remember, but she used to be part of that, and there was all kinds of like crazy stuff that would set each other challenges and things like that. And that, that she'd love that kind of thing. I'm yeah. sure that'll she's be, heard of it. That'll be in interesting.
1: Fact. That'll be interesting episode, man. Shame not
0: mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll do one on hacking and
2: exploitation, and even stuff like social engineering.
0: Yeah, well, oh, yeah. again, she's she's big on that. She's big on Def uh, DefCon, and um, uh, there's a few few links she keeps and few people she keeps sending us uh, YouTube videos for, and so I can't even claim to be uh, in that world. It's not it's not something. Uh, I, I'm security conscious. I have to be security conscious when Obviously, it comes to designing yeah. my systems, but you know, it's not it's not something. <laughs> Every I system,
2: issue. yeah. Every system can be broke if you try hard enough. It's like if someone wants to steal it,
0: they'll steal it. Yeah, and. Usually, you're not important enough for them to try and steal it. Exactly. Who but cares you, about my? Yeah, <laughs> uh, my, I try try convincing my father that's the case that he thinks that the whole entire internet is after his his information, his data. It's, yeah. yeah,
2: that's why I, I don't mind about having, it in some, circumstances, a bit lack of security, especially when it comes to my home network. Oh no, someone gets to my home network, they might see me browsing Facebook. Yeah. Oh, well.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've got quite a lot of corporate stuff on my, you know, that I, I uh, covered by NDAs and things like that. But yeah, but see, they're all in you, careful places, you know.
2: Exactly. Yeah, you make use of encryption and what have you. You, you do the basic steps. Yeah. You know, strong passwords. I, I always say to people, even if you don't, even if you use the same password, just mix it up a bit. You know, throw a few more capital letters in, or you know, do something like that just to add a bit to the complexity.
0: Yeah, I mean, we've again, we've we've done a, a security. Um, what was it called? Shifting security. We did uh, a few few months ago, uh, and that was quite high level. You know, basic what you should really be doing with your passwords. What you should really be doing with uh, with um, your general day to day security, and uh, not necessarily in yeah, the enterprise. And the
1: general standards. conclusion was use a password manager. And yep. you know.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> However that so, is, I saw you actually talking the other day to Josie about that. But anyway, we're getting sidetracked with security and we're talking about virtualization and education uh, here. So let's, uh, do let's kind stay of, on topic. They, yeah. do. they do kind of go
2: hand in hand. I mean, realistically, the whole benefit of doing the virtualization is to provide extra security. I can assign you this one bit of resource. You can only see that resource. Obviously, I can see it because I own the box. I am God on yep. the server. But you have this little, little resource. I can go in and check if I want to. If, you're, if I believe you're doing something questionable, I will go and check. Mm-hmm. But generally, yeah. They're secure. They'll leave them to their own. Genu- genuinely, honestly, I started off with Hyper-V back in what, 2008. Yep. I'm glad I did. <laughs> it's bad now compared to Prox, which is Debian and LXC and Chrome and Yeah, there's a lot of various things that come together to form Proxmox, but then you've got virtual um, VMware,
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, ESX, which is brilliant for production until it breaks. <laughs> and I can't. I don't think I know anywhere that production runs um, Microsoft's Hyper-V. I
0: do. I, I, can't, oh, I know lots oh. of big companies that use Hyper-V, um, specifically oh. places that have Microsoft partnership agreements. Uh, you'd be amazed how the, the corporate world works. There's a lot of politics involved in uh, why people use particular suites, and you know, if they've already got a gold agreement or a partnership agreement with a particular, yeah, particular I mean, vendor, then they can.
1: Kind I of have forced. a can I have another new question then? Uh, what what are the what are what are the differences between the different um, you know between different virtual virtualization programs? Because you know, in the end, they all can run the same sort of operating system on, right? But they you mm. still need
0: yes so and no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: so, so so what yeah, so so what are yeah, what are the differences between because you guys g- gave a huge list of you know different programs. What are the general differences? What I'd, they differ-
2: say, I'd say probably that stuff like Hyper V, ESX from VMware, they do Windows virtualization top notch. Yeah. You won't get you won't get better. Stuff like Proxmox, um using LXC's containers. That's more Linux. That's all Linux. It runs... It, <clears throat> it really doesn't handle Windows that well. It runs it, but it's not efficient. It's right. the, the way that the work, and the way that the drivers are built, the way that the, the actual code for the, the hypervisor is made. It's just not efficient for Windows, but for, you know, nesting a ton of uh, Linux boxes, you'd go Proxmox. If you're doing anything else, I'd probably stream towards ESX, Hyper-V, Citrix, uh, I think they still have ZenServe.
0: You haven't uh, mentioned VirtualBox. Is there a reason for that? I don't like it. Fair <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, we all have our preferences, you know. I'm uh, the only um, reason I say that is because I, I tend to see hyper HyperV, uh, VMware, uh, the, and the various incarnations of VMware, um, yeah. and and um, VirtualBox uh, virtual as the three main. Hypervisors uh, that I've seen. That's the only yeah. one
1: I ever lose. The the one time I had to use virtual machine, VirtualBox was the one I used.
2: So I mean, per- personally, if I'm just doing a quick bit of labbing on my desktop, I'll use um, VMware's Workstation. Yep, dude, just because I have it. I mean, yeah, VirtualBox is great. My um, Dalton College they use it. It's good. It's it, it just works reliably. I don't really have any flaws or, or against it. I haven't really. I'm pretty neutral about it. If you use it and find it works for you, fair enough. If it doesn't work for you, you go find whatever else. But because I mainly focus on host, le- host level virtualization, so bare metal, you wouldn't really use VirtualBox in that scenario. You use it on your laptop when you want to quickly lab up a, a Linux system or whatever else, just to prove a concept before you do roll it into production or into beta, alpha, whatever.
0: Me personally, I wouldn't. I don't use it. Okay. I use, uh, I said I use VMware. You also mentioned um, containerization as well, which is not quite the same as virtualization. Um, so we're talking about it works Docker a, and uh,
2: Yeah, it's a l- little different, yeah. Um, I use Alexe Linux containers on Proxmox for my virtual machines. Okay. Which is, I think it's got about roughly, well, Proxmox claim about 3% overhead of running the operating system bare metal, which is nothing in the grand scheme of things. So you're getting pretty much bare metal
0: performance 20 times over, essentially. Right. You've got 20 VMs. So how far have you gone with containerization specifically? Because uh, there is Docker. a distinct difference.
2: Yeah. Uh, Docker, I haven't...
0: Like, sort of Docker and stuff, I haven't touched much. I have okay. set up a virtual machine to
2: play around with Docker. Uh, recommendation of follow. funnily enough. Uh-huh. Um, again, time, you know... You know yeah. how, it, how it goes, time. Docker's really got a,
0: l- a steep learning curve. And I said when, when we had Thorno on, he was talking about Docker in quite a lot of detail. And I've got quite a lot of experience of it. And it's brilliant for a software dev like me who needs to spin up a, an instance or spin up a particular app. But it's very app-centric. It's not yeah, necessarily yeah. great for running multiple services or, or segmenting memory and, and resources for a particular... Yeah, it is.
2: You, you do know, dedicate to so. it to one. From what I understand, you do dedicate one... Docker container to one specific task where Linux containers on LXC, I've got SQL, DNS, web, mail, because it just acts like it's more of a nested virtual machine well, more than we, anything.
0: Don't get me wrong, you can run multiple multiple services on a single Docker container, but it's not particularly recommended and it doesn't work quite as nicely to do that. And it's it's more about organization of your code as well. Um, yeah, in. Uh, yeah, being that
2: I'm not much of a coder, that, that that's why I haven't touched it much because I just throw VM up.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, apparently Vagrant's even more developer focused as well. It's more about spinning up a dev environment, specifically dev. It's not necessarily a production thing. That as far as I'm aware, I haven't used Vagrant at all, so I, I couldn't couldn't really comment. Yeah, on
2: that. like I said, mainly my my tipple of choice is either Proxbox or ESX these days. It's what I'm most it's what I know how to fix best when it breaks.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've been having problems recently with um, Docker trying to run services using system CTL or, Docker, uh, or system D. Oh. Um, yeah, in, inside, <laughs> a oh. Docker, inside a Docker container. That's not uh, ideal. No, and it doesn't really work out of the box. You have to do some hell of, hell of a, like, um, tricks to get it actually working. And then and when it does work, you, well, you have to be running it by proxying the underlying Linux system system D process, which it doesn't work for me because I'm a Windows guy. So I can't, it doesn't even work. You have to essentially mock it up entirely. Uh, and I, I eventually just completely shelved it and ended up running a VM, CentOS uh, VM with, uh, uh, with Docker, sorry, with the mm-hmm. services that were running systemctl uh, stuff within it i'm not a linux guy you probably figured that out already <laughs> a...
2: yeah i started one up with um rancher right i was looking at Rancher, the recommendation of forward and i i just looked at it and i was like it seems needlessly complicated to achieve the same tax as a linux container on proxmox." Uh, yeah well, yeah i think
0: my hands are done all of these all of these uh, different Frameworks, tools, technologies, they all have a very specific use case, each of them, um, and they expand out as more people adopt them, they expand their use case out and they put more features in and they put in more uh, capability just so they can expand the market that 's as simple as it, it oh, yeah, yeah. You know, a VM is just an instance of an operating system, so it's it 's a generic use case of so generic virtualization with a hyperv hypervisor is essentially. Just, uh, as you said, spreading resources, saving costs, um, saving on backups and maintenance and things like that as well, which we haven't really touched on. Um,
2: yeah, <laughs> disaster recovery is an interesting beast to say
0: the least. Yes, in. I have actually been in a situation where an entire building uh, had to have a disaster recovery plan and 500-odd people all using virtual Hyper-V virtual machines. And it took a little bit because they hadn't tested their DR plan. <laughs> which doesn't you know it happens oh. unless you're in a really tight knit commu- tight knit company if you you know most people kind of put the dr plan in place and then never test Maybe, it ever yeah. does uh, it
2: work yeah okay yeah does I it work
0: know. today yes but does it work in 2 3 months time when we've upgraded the systems ah. four times and yeah but, and anyway it did work people got relocated to another office so everything got spanned up it took them about 2 days to do it but it's still 2 days rather than damn, that building's burnt down, we've got to reposition yeah. every single piece of hardware in there, you know. Yeah.
1: Couple
2: were they of... doing uh, a VDI solution, were they, for their
0: um I, access? I can't remember, and I wasn't really involved with it. It was the infrastructure guys that were doing all of that, but I was, I was essentially That's, a remote Yeah,
2: worker. that does sound like they were doing some form of Windows VDI with probably RDP or some, something along those lines. Sounds yes, like-
0: Everyone RDP'd from a thin client on yeah.
2: there. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that'll be why then, because I've got uh, all our client data is on the local virtual machines, not the centralized storage server we're meant to use. Uh, yeah, that's generally the, the big thing where it's just like, where's your data stored on my PC? <laughs> we have this twenty terabyte storage server. Can you use that, please? You know, it's I manage. Funnily enough, my dad's IT for him, right. and we're having a what well, can only be described and. Part of my French, a shit
0: show. Right. Hey, you're the first to swear. It's usually Patrick, so you're doing well. Hey, I did
1: it. I did it.
2: It is what it is. Um, and basically, Windows has had a really weird bug with uh, reFS, and it started to. It basically tanks the operating system down. With it. I haven't really diagnosed it right. fully because I've basically just went right. I'm dusting my hands of this operating system. i are going to go uh, free NAS. All
0: right.
2: Or at very least, we're going. I'm going to virtualize the system, and I'm going to run ZFS on Linux because okay. I trust ZFS with the data more than I trust Windows' as own file file systems. Because right. again, the issue of device failover and with been disaster recovery, I had to restore everything back from backups. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, I test those backups; they work. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's just like you know, I spend like an entire day there appeasing him saying look yeah everything works everything's fine then he goes oh yeah the dns doesn't work though because that's on the, that's on windows server for some reason i did that right okay it's not sort of like i'm patching up a, a system that i installed about five years ago when i was very inexperienced
0: maintenance it's the, the yeah. pain of everybody to be fair we don't all have time to keep going with production and you know, new projects and then also maintaining old projects. That's why teams grow, isn't it?
2: Yeah, and then I've got me,
0: myself, and I just going. Um... Oh, Josie has this exact problem at the moment. She's got a lot of maintenance contracts in place, and she needs, you know, she needs to um, get more time on her hands or more hands so she can do the maintenance as well as the work that's coming up. So, you know, again, she I'm she'd interested. be a better place to. Geez, you
1: get that even in the game, Dev. Like, um, especially on uh, hobby, hobby projects in which you sort of do it after hours. Mm-hmm. In the, because the project takes you so long, you learn so much along the way that at certain point you just basically have to have a refactor. Yep. Uh, which was what I had to do for past two or three months and refactor of art assets. Uh, it's uh, way worse than refactor of code.
0: You're basically so. refactoring binaries, aren't you? There's no there's no history or anything, it's just a replacement. I mean, it's
1: basically, basically repainting, redoing everything. Yeah. You're basically nuking shit and then doing it better. So, yeah, it's uh, uh, calling it refactoring, it's, uh, uh, I, I, I understand, <laughs> it's a very you know, uh, euphemistic way of speaking about it.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> Whenever I do something now, if it's anything code wise, I, I, I'm i very strict about my versioning.
0: Yeah. I'll I mean, add
2: some, but... I add something once, like say I finish for a night of me doing something. But as soon as I finish that code, if I come back to it the next day, I'll amend it or I'll put strict commenting in saying, This is what I've added, this is what it does, this is why I've added it. It could be made more efficient it could be you know if i'm just quickly piss piss pissing chitting code onto a page just for the sake of getting something a script to work that i want to automate backups or whatever else on linux yeah i'll then go through it and filter it and start refining it i've been going through and doing my own backups for my servers at the moment trying to automate the procedure of versioning and automatically deleting the oldest version and I could get some software to do it for me, but no, I'm going to do this the hard way and do it all myself.
0: Hey, look, this is the only way you learn. A lot of the time, I um, I opt out of using WYSIWYG stuff or using um, frameworks that basically do all of the work for me. I like to understand exactly what I'm doing, exactly what I'm putting together. Now, I'm a, I'm a coder by trade. You know, I've been involved with enterprise teams for now on 20 years, and I've, I've worked with I've worked with lots of different type, types of people. Now it's interesting that you're an infrastructure guy, which I I know it's virtualization that you focus on, but it's interesting that you are essentially a hardware guy, but you're talking about code. Yeah. Now is that it, is that because of the way that things are going these days, or is that um, because?
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think realistically, if I say if I took over a system. If I took over a contract for a company, I'm going to have to deal with software, whether I like it or not. Right. If you manage the hardware, there's a good chance you're going to have to touch the software. So knowing some basic Bash, some basic, right. I know a bit of basic PHP. You know, I like to. I'm very much of a catch-all. Yeah. I like to know a bit of everything.
0: And so am I. I mean, I do. I do a lot of things, but there's a distinct difference between what I would call software. Or what I would call software engineering, or development, or design, and yeah, I just, scripting.
2: Yeah. Well, see, I, I just categorize, I categorize that under software.
0: Right. <laughs> so, Yeah. Okay. So I mean, I, I've
1: anything software. that yeah, it's like anything that doesn't require a soldering iron is soft <laughs> and therefore yeah. is a software. Yeah. <laughs> that,
0: that, yeah. yeah. That's, I mean, that's a good that's a good way to look at it. I said I've because I've been involved in the processes and the enterprise processes in, uh, for, for a long time. I know, you know how teams put proper software together, you know, from uh, Mm -hmm. using design patterns all the way through, you know, all the way through to full engineering processes and DevOps processes that are fully version controlled and and, uh, source controlled. Now, it's it's still interesting that you're interested and concerned about versioning, though. Are you talking about Semver? versioning. Oh no,
2: I, I I literally just save it as a new file. Right, okay. <laughs> that is <laughs> so my, you're not, I, that is my versioning. Do you use, it do is you use the Git the most basic Git? Uh I actually do have a Git account, yes. Um I do have one project on there. Um wow. it's for my TF two servers. It's a plugin I, that I basically Can,
0: can I just point um, out a noob on. a noob thing there. You just said you've got a Git account. Now git sorry Git is a service. GitHub. GitHub, GitHub is a software as a service that provides Git as a uh, as a software as a service so github Bitbucket, um th- there's tons of them i mean tfs and microsoft are doing it these days as well but yeah, git, yeah. i've had git on my local uh nas for decades uh, you know i've been using it for, for maybe not decades because it's not been around that long but it's i've had it on my local nas as a personal server so it's it's just a service just a linux service essentially that runs and allows you to push mm-hmm. and pull code from it but specifically it's more about versioning your code and when you push code I'm understanding how it works and how the um, how you how your commits work and how you can roll back code to all the versions and that kind of stuff. It's very it's very very robust and it's absolutely wonderful for software developers. Um, yeah. So Jesus,
1: I, cannot, I cannot imagine programming kind of thing without actually using a git. I, like given the amount of times when I had to look back in the past for specific file change that I've done some months ago mm. that I have to revert now. Like, geez, it's just so yeah. useful.
2: Again, that's a software to I me. Mean, that goes, you know, that, that goes somewhere over, you know, the Atlantic Ocean over there somewhere. That's <laughs> very rarely of my concern. Yeah, exactly. But it is nice but to know as a
0: is... tool how how it works. I mean, it is very, yeah. very yeah, complicated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It can be extremely complicated, but it's for a software developer who it's all about the lines of code, the distinct lines, you know, you're writing three thousand lines a day sometimes of of something that does something. It's really nice to know that all of those 3,000 lines, every time I commit that code, I can roll back, even if I wanted to, I could roll back and cherry-pick individual lines of those 3,000 lines back to a particular commit to, you know, two weeks ago if I really wanted to. It it would be a ball ache to do that, but it is there if I ever need it. It never gets lost, and that's the wonderful yeah, thing about it. Yeah, I,
2: th- I think the, the one thing I would like to see, um, especially because I deal with Cisco devices, I run them in my own house. Okay. Um, What's Cisco devices? Versioning- um, my core switch is a 3750G, okay. which is a stacking layer-free routable switch. Okay. I, I got it for a reasonable price, so I was like, okay, that's my new top-of-rack switch then. Well, it basically just has the house in.
0: Yeah.
2: But, <clears throat> same again, I'd like to, be able to pre- um, version have different versions of the same config, which you can do on iOS, on uh, Cisco's iOS, mm-hmm. but you've got a name it like that you name it by version so you could say version you can tell it to load version one version two only if you've named it though
0: right See, so I, I, I could I, say I, my... I have no experience of ios whatsoever and we're not talking about the apple or ios here we're talking about no, the, the, uh, the cisco oh, cisco yeah the cisco ios So yeah. I've, I've actually yeah. recently been exposed to that because i'm currently working with cisco iot um oh. Uh, oh. working with some fairly high level guys over there in, the, in one of my contracts and um i've learned about their industrial grade uh, environmental high, environmentally grade, graded routers and that's what we're currently in the process of working with and provisioning for a particular solution uh, a very big solution it's it's, it's one of the, probably one of the most prestigious contracts i've ever worked on and i'm 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 am learning loads you know every single day i'm learning something new and um, it's it fancy. It's, uh, it's it's different cool. it's a different something <laughs> yeah when I first stepped in, I was like, oh, I've got a. Where's the GUI? I've got a good friend. I'm trying to get on the show. Who's a CCNA or CCNE? Whatever the top one is. Um,
2: uh, oh God, Cisco, Cisco's structure's weird. You have um, ICND. You start off. The loss of the law is the ICND one and two. Right. Then you go up to your CCNA, and I think it's like CCENP.
0: Then there's
1: don't you kind of like the? Yeah, you oh, get
0: specializations after the CCNA, yeah. don't you? Or yeah, like you that? can go on
2: to the Cisco security and this, yeah, it branches out pretty wide because um, Cisco, a lot of people don't realize just how much Cisco actually do. Oh,
0: yeah. Oh, they are innovators. They have got a lot of things going on and I said some things very NDA hush hush that I can't talk about, but that I'm talking <laughs> yeah. about them with at the moment that uh new and exciting and i love it and and, you know it's 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 really cool to get involved with a world that as a software developer i wouldn't normally get involved with and the reason i'm still talking about this is because it's so exciting and it's still it's kind of related to virtualization you know it's it's we're we're you need that
2: back-end hardware and and that back-end software to run the controllers to run the ai to yeah it's it all links so heavily together now
1: Shit man, are are you building some sort of like under undersea bunker for the all all of uh, British security data as <laughs> their server or something as not, a doomsday provision? Not far off. Um...
2: <laughs> Cisco did um demo with Linus Tech um it must have been about six months ago about their AI enhanced uh, wireless mm. um and how it knows where you're wanting to go.
0: Yep. It goes through uh, this, your this, calendars and stuff like that. I can tell you this: much uh, that I'm working what? with IOT sensors that are that are deployed across the entire planet, and they are uh, they essentially. It is when you think about what is actually happening under the under the. The business, you know, the the business requirements. What is actually happening technically, and the amount of data that's getting gathered. I'm talking about this is data that's getting gathered like ten times a second or, or hundred times a second, and then getting aggregated and processed and worked out so businesses can actually use it rather than it just be just a streams and streams of information. Um, but this is all stuff that I said. That some of these things are getting deployed in sub-zero temperatures. Some of these things are getting deployed in in deserts. You know, so basically infrastructure-related stuff. And I'm not talking about IT infrastructure. I'm talking about the world infrastructure. And it's it's very interesting looking at it. I said, I, I'm, I'm really trying to skirt around the details because if I say the wrong thing, I'm going to get in a lot of trouble. Yeah. So I can't yeah. go any further. Yeah, the, yeah let's leave the cool. topic, yeah, exactly. man, because like,
1: but, on big enough contracts, you don't want to fuck with NDNA. Exactly. Like, that can actually biting and it can have serious consequences it can
0: it can so... i was actually it was actually on a call last night that was very uh very hush hush unannounced stuff but anyway right let's move on anyway so we also wanted to talk about education now unless there's anything else specific about virtualization you want to touch on because we can't go into that much detail with this you know we have yeah, to try and keep this high it's level d- it's
2: that de- it's definitely a rabbit hole that like you can if, if you get bored one day you can definitely go down um and you'll come up the other side not only smarter
0: but efficient uh well i mean i've i've efficient. looked at it myself i've looked at virtual i mean i've i actually when I, a few months ago was considering running um a virtualized server and i i prototyped all three of the ones that i mentioned before oracle virtualbox vmware esi the, the free version of that whatever i think it was player or workstation or something Uh, Yeah, they have a free one that runs on top of Windows, yeah. Um, And then I also tried Hyper-V. Hyper-V seemed to be the most reliable for what from Windows 10. Um, But I ran into a problem in that what I wanted to do is I wanted to have a VM for every different thing and then have my main workstation as like a gaming workstation, you know, a gaming platform. Yeah. But the problem was I couldn't actually do all of my development work within the VMs, within the virtualized environments, because Docker... Docker does not like running inside a Hyper-V VM on Windows 10. It should do, but it doesn't. And there's a there's currently a, an open thread, um, an open bug on uh, yeah on Mobi. that was
2: the, that was the same with uh, Linux containers and Rancher that uh,
0: Forno was running. I think it was Ranch that Forno was running. Yeah, you uh, see talking about Ranch. Yeah,
2: uh, he was trying to run that on top of Alpine. Um, but you eventually had to make it into a complete VM, not a, a Linux container, because the way that it interacts with the soft, the operating system, yeah, it couldn't give it the right permissions and this and that. And I was like, right, okay, okay, we'll just put it in a virtual that, machine and call it a day. That's
0: the problem I had with uh, with running systemd inside a Docker container site so to go full virtual. But I'm talking about trying to run Docker inside a VM, so it's the other yeah, way we around. Had this
2: issue, yeah, no, we had this issue with um. Rancher trying to run Rancher in a Linux container on Proxmox.
0: Right. Okay. <laughs> I don't have any experience of Linux containers, so I don't know how they work or how, how distinct um, how they are distinct from a HyperV hyper hypervisor. Yeah. Uh, uh,
2: a container I to know me know. is a
0: very different thing. It's it's not a virtual. Yeah, Linux.
2: Yeah, Linux containers are very different to right. uh, Docker container. Yeah. There's, if you're bored, you can um, Google LXC. Um, that's what Proxmox uses for its containering system, so you can run um, Turnkey Linux. Right, okay.
0: Well, I'll, I'll um, look into that. I will. I do. I have heard Linux Linux containers being mentioned as a distinct thing previously, so I will have to have a look into that.
2: They are very efficient in the way they work in the resource
0: management. Right, okay. Uh,
2: Proxmox handles RAM reasonably well until ZFS gets a hold of the damn thing. Right. Um, So, as we speak, I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven containers on my box, then two virtual machines. One of them's a Windows VM, and one of them's uh, a 4 VM.
0: I literally have hundreds of of Docker containers for lots of different applications. (laughs) They're not always running. I I tend to spin them up. I use Docker Compose to spin things up as I need them, Um, but I deploy them to Kubernetes as well whenever. Not an internal Kubernetes cluster, basically whichever client's running it. Um, that I've I deployed to their platforms. Uh, yeah. Processes.
2: Docker and stuff is like that is my, on my do. To-
0: to learn list, shall we say? Just don't look at it as a VM. It's not a VM at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Learn the distinction, and uh, you'll you'll be you'll go far. Right. We've only got a few <laughs> minutes. We've actually nearly nearly at uh, RTFM time, but we've only got a few minutes to talk about education. <laughs> um, I, we were going to try and do both subjects in this. Possibly bring you back actually if you're in, if you're up for that, Josh, to talk say, about education. Yeah,
2: yeah. Because virtualization is a very heavy
0: topic. Um, yeah. So that doesn't surprise me really. I yeah, said, so I think we'll probably do that. Then we'll just we'll just move on to the RTFM and uh, and, and yeah. Go I mean, on.
1: to be fair, to, to be fair, for me, most the entire episode was mostly education already. So mm. I know about you guys. <laughs> so there's
0: certainly some some things out there that I, I found interesting, especially that running a router um, as a, a, in a virtualized environment. I, I I mean, I've got a hardware router downstairs and a hardware. Uh, yeah. I've got an AP upstairs, but it's a really simple plug and play type job, you know.
2: Yeah, I run, uh, within my house network, I've got, um, the majority of the house is Wi-Fi and Ethernet, so, you know, there we are. That's most of my issues taken care of. I've got two gigabit going from my my PC to car switch, mm-hmm. uh, two gig to each server. I am going 10 gigs soon.
0: Right. I'm, but that's I'm, many, uh, that's I'm one, storage infrastructure, mainly. One gig wired through my entire yeah. house. I hate Wi-Fi. I absolutely hate it, but...
2: Yeah, um, I'm using the Unify AP Pro, AP AC, AP AC, Pro. Okay, what's that? Which is a second from top wireless access point. Oh, okay. Um, brilliant, I love it. It's cheap. It's dual band AC. It, uh, sorry, no, it's tri band AC. All right. So it's pretty quick um, for the for less than 130 quid. It's one of the best access points you can get your hands on. Uh, especially when the competitor Meraki, Cisco Meraki, starts off at six hundred pound. Yeah, the licensing. Networking gear oh, is not
0: cheap. I mean, I've got. I think I've got a not not a D-Link. It's a really you'll you'll hear this. I'm going to read it out. You'll absolutely hate this. I can guarantee it. Um, oh yeah. It's a TP-Link one gig router. Yeah, it's hideous. Oh, yeah. It, the first one <laughs> I, mean, I had. They do the job? They do just about, but the first one I had crashed after a week and just would not work. Oh. yeah, just I had to take it, send it <laughs> no. back. Uh, But this one's okay. It's not crashed yet, so. Yeah,
2: Yeah, I use PS Sense within, like, as my edge router to basically route between subnets, route between the internet. Right. So I've got three different lands running. It's it's ridiculously overcomplicated. Yeah. But it's because you enjoy doing it. Well, that's the thing. (laughs)
0: <laughs> That's the thing I said before we started the show, we were talking about, I, I used to like hardware. I used to build my own, well, I still do build my own PC, but I don't like doing it anymore. I haven't got the patience, really. Very rarely, you know, if I need to upgrade things, I will upgrade them, but it's a it's something I have to build up to, <laughs> put it that way.
2: I, I think I'd say one of my pitfalls in when it comes to, especially working with virtualization and stuff like that, it's when you get in a loop on something. On a problem and you get in a loop and you get stuck by it Mm. so like when my um when the boot drive failed in my server i was trying to recover it trying to recover the boot drive rather than just reinstalling and restoring from backups because i was like no i will get that boot drive back right (laughs) when it would have took me i don't know maybe an hour to restore from to essentially disaster recovery and get back online you see this is something i spent six hours this is something you learn
0: as you get older and more experienced in the in the industry that you cannot afford to spend to there's a there's a limit you know i've been doing i've got so many tasks on at the moment that i have to limit myself with a particular task and go right i'll give this another two days and then if i'm not getting any further or i'm getting blocked or something hand it off to someone who who can unblock me or or i'll have to move on to the next task and then compartmentalize you know and it's something you learn you have to do otherwise you never get anywhere and you don't yeah. satisfy I do your it, clients. I,
1: I do it with a timer I set myself a timer for like you know like if, if I have a problem and I, I have already conceptualized, let's say three different approaches but I'm not sure yet which one will work the way I want exactly in all the specific cases mm-hmm. um, I just basically put myself a timer for for implementation and uh, because it's like, it's mostly for the stuff that's like short, like, you know, hour to hours, like small block of a larger problem. Yeah. So if I cannot get it to work within like, let's say two hours, then I'm just switching. Like, this is clearly a bad approach. It takes me too much time to get it perfect. So moving on.
0: Yeah. I mean, again, there's also different levels of perfect as well, isn't there? You, you can't you can't always get something perfect, especially not in a in a work environment, and especially not in a production environment all the time. A lot of the time, as a software developer, you have to make concessions and you have to say, right, we're going to have to drop the tests for this particular thing, or we're going to have to maybe implement this as a simpler algorithm and then come back to it at a later date. As long as it works, you know. There's things that we can't drop, like security. You know, we, we have to say sorry, but security comes first, with, especially these days. Yeah, oh, yeah.
1: Also, also see, I have that adv- like I have the advantage of working on um, so because I'm a technical artist, I'm, I'm working basically very close to the presentation layer of the game. And in that terms, if you if something isn't perfect, then you're looking at millions of losses mm-hmm. because, you know, if, if, if the user finds something glitchy or something, they will stop playing or they can be like it can be so discouraging that's in you know, a low quality yep. and there are large enough bra- brands riding on this horse that it has to be perfect <coughs> so i don't have actually that consideration it's the user experience to, though like, isn't it yeah 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 like it has to be perfect and like we had delays of like days because i was literally pushing some shit literally by like five pixels mm. it had to be like <laughs> perfect yeah no, so, I, we know. get
0: the this is where we come back to the mvp um aspect of the yeah. idea as well a, a minimum minimum viable product of something if you are writing some software or you're implementing i don't know but maybe you're implementing a new uh, hypervisor or something like that a minimum viable product for any of that has to be at least what currently exists and then a little bit more otherwise it's not viable it's not going to sell you're not going to be able uh, to actually... i've
2: never i've actually never heard of that before so what an but, mvp uh, I'll be, yeah i'll be putting that into my uh
0: well it's Hello. it's usually used in software and mvp it's um it's something that we use to describe a product let's say for example we're coming to market with a brand new social network right to compete in the social network environment right? an mvp would have to be facebook plus or it would have to be a cut down version of facebook for a very specific um uh, catchment so people who own uh, I always use this example, but people who own guinea pigs, you know, that might be a social network for <laughs> guinea pig owners, and it might not be quite as fancy as Facebook, but it will be a minimum viable product that has a news feed that has this. But a lot of the time, people look at it as a minimal viable product as something that has uh, very, very few features. But sometimes, it, barely functional. Yeah, barely functional. And sometimes that's right. If you're an earlier, um, if you're coming into a new market and you've got a brand new product that nobody else has, yes, your MVP is going to be simple and small. But as soon as you have competitors, your MVP is no longer simple and small because you're not going to get anywhere with it. You're not going to sell it, and your users aren't going to adopt it. So,
2: yeah, I think something that comes up with the hardware side of it is uh, total cost of ownership. Yeah, I'd say that's probably the flip side of it when it comes to hardware and you know a network deployment. Well, it's going to cost you 150 grand, but it's going to last. You're going to be able to put a number on it, saying, well. You've got five years of, you know, return to base support, replacement on devices. You've got, you know, the licensing lasts for six years. So you're going to get a maximum of six years. Yeah. So you, you spend that, you know, 150K over six years. That's a good, that total cost of ownership is something pretty damn enticing right
0: now. Yeah. I mean, and again, a lot of people look at the big figures, and this could be for anything, hardware, software, anything in the world, you know but it's all about the value that they see in that. But this is a completely different show, so let's not get into it. <laughs> <laughs> right, anyway, let's... We do, are, we are want, how, no
1: yeah. sidetracking today. Oh
0: well, we, we've been all right, I think. We've had a few sidetracks, but we've been fairly focused, I think, today. And hopefully our our listeners have, uh, have gathered something from it. It's been quite different from our normal show, because um, normally we're talking about software, software development processes. But this is something that supports software. It's something that's very relevant to my day-to-day work, at least, as a software engineer and as a, a solution architect. It's something that's very important. Virtualizing is is clouds, um, f- fog networks, oh, all God. this kind of stuff. <laughs> uh, well, uh, yeah, I know you've got a problem with the word cloud, but let's not get into I that have, either. I
2: have many issues Let, with the You word can have that as your RTFM.
0: <laughs> in fact, let's move on to the RTFM. <laughs> Joshua, do Actually, you have an RTFM? What do you hate in the world today or this week?
2: <laughs> well... Technically, too. The word, the, the, ter- the two terms, cloud and hackers. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> because they the, well, the, the both kind of string together in the same sense of, you know, the original intention of a hacker would be to make something that wasn't designed for a purpose do the purpose you want it to do. That was the idea of hacking. It. hack something together, yeah. Yeah. Right mm-hmm. well, now, it's just like, what, you run a bash script in a linux you know in kali or something and you're suddenly a hacker or uh, well, you've, no, you've
0: guessed someone's password because it's their, yeah. their first name second name hacker. and then birth birthday.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> or you or, or, or you found an um, ion canon x and now suddenly you can uh, you, you can do uh, oh
2: god uh, i
1: remember that those, thing and you're
0: like i'm a hacker <laughs> so what god that what have you got sorry, what, god? what have you got with a uh, problem with the word cloud then
2: well well as we have <clears throat> mean, you've previously spoke about it. It's not really a big fluffy cloud that has everything in it. You know, it is still a server in a data center run by a person uh, that needs electricity, that needs... It's, so it's, You can't cloud, get around the physical aspects of what a cloud now is. Now, I,
0: I had exactly that. Uh, that. that uh, I'd say a month ago, two months ago, I had exactly that attitude towards clouds, towards the word cloud. Now, yes, to us, to us, the techies, cloud is a, a cluster of servers. It's not just a single server. A lot of people misuse the term cloud to refer to a co-located server or a data center server or something, but the term cloud actually refers to a cluster or a set of servers that all manage, uh, are all managed and provisioned, and services are provisioned via a software-as-a-service platform. So we're talking about things like, Microsoft Azure, IBM got their own, I can't remember the name of it, AWS.
1: Amazon Amazon. Cloud? AWS,
0: yeah, Amazon. (coughs) Um, And then Google Cloud Platform. Essentially what you do there is you sign up to a service, you log in, it's a multi-tenanted solution, you log in as yourself or your company or whatever, and then you provision a server. Um, Great example of a cloud, uh, which is is closer to the single server provisioning or it's virtualized, is things like DigitalOcean and Linode. DigitalOcean. Have you got experience of any of those?
2: I haven't personally used DigitalOcean. I used Vulture for a little bit. Okay, not heard of that. Couple of, um, they do small, cheap, cheerful SSD-based uh, VPSs running. I think they were running KVM,
0: actually. So there we are, uh, VPSs. Um, th- that's that's the key term here. Yeah. So what we've got is a platform that I log on to for DigitalOcean. The DNI website, DNIstream.live, um, is actually hosted on uh, a VPS, or, or, or rather on a... Uh, I'm not sure exactly what, how DigitalOcean do it, but they, they essentially you go on there, you provision a Linux box, and then it's up to me what I do with it. They do have little buttons you can click to say, provision this as a Docker box, provision this as a MySQL box, or provision this one as a, um, I don't know, there's, there's loads of them, Kubernetes cluster or something like that. And then you can use their UI and their platform to configure that and manage it. You don't know where that server is, you might even know that it's in the US or it's in the it's in London or something like that, but that's about the limit of what you know.
2: Yeah, a lot of people get, uh, <clears throat> look at may do a, a G O I P and say, "Oh, the IP is pointing to the UK." Yeah. Not necessarily.
0: No, but it doesn't necessarily mean that's <laughs> where the server is. But that's the interesting thing about it is that it's convenience. The cloud, <laughs> the term cloud, oh, is yeah. convenience. Uh, for one, it's for salespeople to be able to go, oh, yeah, we all host in the cloud. And everyone goes, oh, cool, the cloud, yeah, great. That just encompasses billions of things. I mean, the cloud, all of the major cloud platforms have so many services available these days. I've totally lost count. I have no idea what goes on with half oh, of them. Yeah. And I work with them all day, every day. It
2: blew up over the past, you know, we'll say, what, the past five, six years, yeah. it has went. It's, it's more pushing towards more efficient use of power, of internet bandwidth, because we are getting into that age of stuff is getting so big, it's getting so large. It's just there's so much you need to run like a game. Like, I need to download a 60 gigabyte patch for a game or times yeah. that by the thousands of people who own that game. You've now got
0: petabytes. 60 terabytes.
2: Yeah. yeah, petabytes
0: of data through. Oh, I mean, so it... I guess
2: cloud, cloud is good in the sense of you can distribute well, True. yeah, I mean, you're, that you're, you're
0: oversimplifying it there again, even more, because it's not just about data; it's it's about the provisioning of those services. So, for people like us who use cloud services, we, I can now go onto DigitalOcean and for an extra five pound a month, I can provision a new server, and I might use that for, I don't know, anything. I could use it for absolutely anything, and I might be able to use it use a template that they've set up that does all of the donkey work of the setup of the server for me, you know. But there's also things like you can sign up to uh, Azure, and you can create a oh God. You you create a, a tenant within a, a particular area of the world, within US West, Europe, London, Australia, wherever you want it to be, and then you can use their tools to entirely configure the infrastructure, and you can configure the infrastructure as code as well. So, cloud as a term is actually encompasses so much these days an immense amount of services an immense amount of things it's no longer just a server in the cloud it's not just a server in a data center so it, to me it's useful but
1: in the end cloud is still running on someone else's computer so buyers be wary, I'd <laughs> well, say. Yes,
0: yes.
2: yeah you, you don't go for the uh the one company that's host you know, that's offering, you know, point not 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 one dollar an hour virtual systems. You stay away from them. You go to AWS.
0: I mean I still look for cheaper ones. I mean, for as a as an enterprise, I wouldn't, you know, I'd never i I'd never suggest somebody using DigitalOcean or Linode unless they're a small I've got one client in particular that uses uh, Linode and kind of got me onto that side of things because they don't need trust it. Well, no, it's not that they trust it necessarily, it's that they don't need and don't want the costs that are associated with per minute um, or per second cloud provisioning. They they yeah, just want to if... pay a fixed cost of twenty quid a month for six servers or whatever. They you know it's more than that, but you know they, they pay a set amount per, for a set of servers, and the bandwidth and the, everything else doesn't matter until they get to a point where they're too big for that, and then that host will come to them and go, right, you need to start paying us more money, or you need to move to a different platform and. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, that's it. Yeah, the that's... the dynamically allocate resources is very handy. Like when I was on, um, I'm using one for my game servers in Los Angeles at the moment, uh, NFO servers. Uh, I've, I've just slowly bumped up my specs yep. based on the demand of CPU memory. I mean, the bandwidth doesn't really change much. You get, uh, get two terabytes as it is. I'm never going to use that. Uh, right. But it is having <laughs> that... I've got C- uh, CDN should take up most of, my, uh, most of the biggest hits, yeah. um, but with have uh, lost, lost my trailer for now. It's all right. Well, anyway, a-
0: should we move on to somebody yeah. else's RTFM because we are getting <laughs> close to the end of the show. We try and keep this to an hour. We usually run over a little bit, but have you got any an RTFM this week, Patrick?
1: Um, nah, not really. Nah. I don't have anything to really
0: and I have to be honest, I'm struggling as well because both Patrick and I have wonderful lives at the moment. We don't that, that makes us sound like we live together, <laughs> 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 we don't we're in good completely stuff. different parts of the world, but um, yeah. no, we I, I I've got a pretty pretty good thing going on, alone I some things in my personal life, but they're not anything I can RTFM about, you know. I've uh, I had me an NHS rant last week, so <laughs> I'm not gonna uh, yeah. I'm not gonna repeat so I'm- that um so exactly.
1: it's like, it, it'll be fun to be less lazy but hey human condition so indeed
0: indeed <laughs> so we are now at the end of the show thank you very much josh for coming on and um, thank you to e- all right. everybody in chat there hasn't been much chat today but there has been quite a few people popping in and quite a few people staying as well doubting. um hello to anybody it's- if you want to say hello before we uh we leave you know what, yeah uh
2: spooder who is a uh, spooder lady and the uh twitch chat who is my partner all right. uh Casually dabbing, <laughs> uh, my, my mate Kieran uh, in Newcastle, who I look after his. crap. So yeah, there's that. And then my own game servers, uh, more versus machine.tf, and my own personal website. Uh, gnome.more. Cool. Yes. Oh, we were gonna <laughs> let
0: you do that in a minute, but that's fine. We're gonna have to alter the script slightly. Do. Yeah, that's good. Ping, ping you wanna, yeah. It'll
1: whatever you can. But you know, that's a nice segue because uh, wait. Uh Josh, so what was your website again?
2: Gnome.more, G-N-O-M-E emo
1: that's great. And speaking of websites, there is also ours, which is uh, uh, <laughs> DNIstream.live uh DNI uh, where you can find links to, uh, to our Discord and YouTube channels and Twitter and pretty much everything. Um, and also a contact form if you want to con- contact us for any reason, either to complain or perhaps to complain or maybe even to not complain, but actually show up on our show, which you know would be great. Um there is also GitHub, so if you are curious about the way our website is built by Everwonderful Chris. I don't know which way. Should I
0: yeah. Be that, you were right the first time.
1: <laughs> Somewhere out there. Uh, so you can actually check out uh, Chris's code and uh, make some nasty comments about it on github.com <laughs> slash documentation not included so excellent so yes yeah.
0: um we, we've we've missed this up the end the exit but yeah thank you very much josh thank you very much josh. i ruined it all yes you did you ruined everything <laughs> um thank you very much josh thank you to all our listeners and thank you to everybody who's listening on the podcast you hopefully will join us again next week at 7 p.m on twitch.tv forward slash dni stream and um that's about it oh yes you can follow us on twitter as well twitter at dni stream and we'll um we post stuff about the show and and this and that. Next week we have a guy called Mark Walsh, who's a person I used to work work with a while back. Um, he is a tech lead slash senior developer slash all round pretty awesome developer. Um, he, he was a junior when I worked with him, but he's he's he was already great then, so I'm sure he's much better now. Who works at a, a tech startup and he wants to come on a talk about tech debt uh specifically uh tech debt in software code so uh hopefully you can join us then
1: that's gonna be a painful conversation <laughs> it is
0: oh uh, well that's gonna be interesting for you as well pat i imagine because you'll have a, a little bit of tech debt in your uh, in your area of the world
1: uh i cannot confirm or deny that oh,
0: or maybe you can talk about previous tech debt with previous uh projects
1: Ooh. oh god yes i know i definitely can <laughs> but
0: i'm very lucky in that i don't really get involved in tech yeah, debt I, that I, much I, these I, days
1: yeah th- You know, there are some things which were passed down through generations on the stone tablets. (laughs) And this is said to be the original source code of some of the projects I was working on. Sometimes
0: it feels like that, yes. (laughs) Right, so yes, thank you very much, everybody. We should catch you next week. Bye-bye.
1: Thanks. Bye-bye.